Hey there, and welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I am Steve Lubitz, and I am here with our panel, starting with uh, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, makers of Revolution 60, and one of Den of Geeks' 25 most awesome women in gaming, Brianna Wu. How you doing, Bri? I, I'm doing well. I don't think we have to say that every week, you know? You don't want me to call you awesome every single week? I thought that was the deal. I mean, I like it, but it's like, I don't know. I know, it makes me feel a little soft. Hi, Bri! <laughs> hey, what's up? And uh, we also have assistant games editor at Pace Magazine, Maddie Myers. Hi, Steve. Bree forgot to say her catchphrase, and I don't even have oh, a catchphrase. what's crackalackin'? What's crackalackin'? I was waiting for her to say it, and she didn't say it. I'm like, now I can't say it because Bree didn't say it. <laughs> None of oh. us have catchphrases anymore. It's a whole new world. Bree isn't even awesome anymore. Oh. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> oh. here. Cats and dogs living together. It's, <laughs> it's madness. Anyway. Uh, reviewer from iMore and host of Zen and Tech Podcast, Georgia Dow. Hello. All right. So I guess we're, <laughs> we're, we're in a great mood today. So this is good. I have one piece of follow-up that I actually purposefully did not put in the show notes because I wanted to get your reactions live to it as I was, uh, as I was reading it. So I'm kind of ambushing you guys, but I think you'll appreciate why. Ooh, I'm intrigued. I would love to not talk about Tomodachi Life ever again, but this was too good to not, to not bring up. So apparently I saw a uh, an article yesterday that they're starting to send out demos to people who are who are club nintendo platinum which i am and i haven't gotten a, an email i don't know if i'm upset about that or not they they heard the show yeah well i think they did hear the show because apparently if you play through the whole demo you get you unlock a panda suit item at the end no <laughs> oh. oh i have to play this game now are you is it just a panda suit like is that the only thing that that's the only thing is a rare panda suit item which can be worn in the full game and apparently you can purchase the panda suit that, item in but, the eShop. but wait steve i have to ask the question if you wear if you're wearing the panda suit can you still get married i i don't know i think you're gonna have to buy the game and report back to us i'm so intrigued i have so many questions yeah. I, I don't regret regret my uh wii pur- purchase now I'm well, going to go out and purchase anyway, another one. I'm going to purchase four <laughs> yeah, more no, Wii right? <laughs> Maddie, the next time I see you, you better be wearing a panda suit. <laughs> I'm wearing a panda suit right now. Yes. Yes. I think, I think when you guys go to PAX, I think you just got to go in panda suits. That'll be... That'll be <laughs> right. Awesome. I agree with that. I, I guess I could cosplay as the panda from Tamodachi Life. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> like, specifically that panda. Not just any panda. No, no. I mean, you can't just be a generic panda. That would be weird. That would yeah. be strange. That <laughs> no. would be weird for me. We would, we would judge you. Well, we do that anyway. But you know, that, that's well. All right. So, so let's let's get on to some let's get on to some real news. And, and... I feel like I can't move on though. <laughs> the entire okay, show no. will be with panda we jokes. We can move on, but I can't. Be- I- can we just stress how unbelievable this is? <laughs> I know. I saw it and I'm like, I can't believe it. This, this is like, they listened to, uh, they couldn't have, I'm not under any delusions that they listened to the podcast, but it's just too weird that we were talking about that for like 15 minutes in episode one and all of a sudden they come out with this. It's like, yeah, and the one thing you unlock is a panda suit. Like, no, come on. Come on. Somebody, somebody is punking me. I, I'm telling you, Steve, if, if I don't end up with, you know, a picture of your me, Wearing that panda suit, I'm I just going to, my entire that. year is going to be ruined. I was thinking about that earlier you know? today. I was like, now that we have actually tweeted that the podcast exists, will people send us 
pictures of photoshopped steve we we did we got one of steve <gasps> can yeah. you please you yeah. have to i have to see it can you can you, we need, can you yeah, send it down tweet it tweet it out hang on i will i will find it i'll put it in the skype and i'll tweet it out after the show oh i'm but, dying uh, all right all right yeah I'll, all right. I'll i'll try to get it into the uh into the show notes and then you or into the the skype chat and then we can we can get it in. we'll tweet it out at some point i promise i am not well brie will do it because <laughs> i'll do it my my account is filthy already yeah, regardless of whether or not i would be willing to do it or not brie will do it anyway so it doesn't right matter. yeah yeah you're, that's very true <laughs> i just tell you i'm excited about all the topics we have yeah. this week we have three awesome topics yeah let's get so, to it i'm sorry so, for derailing yeah, let's do it <laughs> no that's no I, I i purposefully derailed us so you know we haven't we're we already off the rails before we started but so so the the biggest thing this week, and, and it's kind of just kind of up in the air, is that, and it kind of broke right before we recorded the last episode, and I think we were kind of waiting and to see what was going to happen, and nothing happened. But there's rumors flying around that Google slash YouTube is looking at buying Twitch. Right. So this came out on Sunday night. Variety, who is well known for breaking lots of tech rumors, which is sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Decide, broke the story and they were saying that they were in high level talks that Google was going to buy Twitch and they were talking about a number of around a billion dollars which sadly is not really a shocking number anymore when we're talking about tech acquisitions. Yeah, it seems a little low. Yeah, well, I, I don't know because I mean, I, like I know Twitch is big in our circles. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I've probably spent a grand total of like 10 minutes on Twitch just because it's not I'd rather play games than watch them, but I, I understand the appeal. It's not my thing, but it's like I, I didn't think that it was as big as it is to be worth a billion dollars to Google. But then again, WhatsApp sold for like seventeen seventeen kajillion dollars to Facebook, so you know everything is possible at this point. I I see it like this: YouTube really missed out on the chance to stream live events on YouTube. Like they've tried to make it the center. They've tried to make it its own, you know, television channel to a certain extent. I mean, I have Ashton Kutcher writing me asking me to send videos to his YouTube channel for a contest. I mean, they've tried their best to like make it this, you know, central entertainment place. But there's not really a way to broadcast things live from there. So I think. Just as a functional, you know, set of of tools, or you know, for a way for you to get things out there, I think that has a lot of appeal. And I think if you also take it and look at just how popular it's been streaming things on PS4 and Xbox, um, I think it makes just a tremendous amount of sense. Um, everybody I personally know is you know using Twitch, you know, broadcasting Twitch. In my company, we've even thought about having uh, you know the women that cosplayed for us at PAX, like having them come do you know events or do stuff with our game on Twitch. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense for Google to buy. Yeah, I didn't know how huge Twitch was. I actually didn't even know that they uh, started off from Justin TV, and you mm-hmm. know that the the gaming category grew so fast, and that they decided to to have a spinoff of gaming and then sports content. But you know they're the fourth largest source of internet traffic in the U.S., yeah. which is behind like Netflix, Google, and Apple. <laughs> So they're right. huge. 1.8% of the U.S. traffic during peak periods. 
So yeah, wow. it really reminds me of um, you know, what was it? Was it Mailbox that got yeah. so big to the point where they couldn't handle the incoming traffic fast enough? Like their back end component, they just couldn't scale it that quickly. So if you're thinking of anyone out there that can scale that back end really well, like there's no one on the planet that can do this better than Google. Yeah, I was reading about their their server farms and like one side of the the servers it'll be like 120 degrees on the other it'll be 90 i mean they've got this science of how you build large data centers so it it seems like a really good fit it seems like it could help that scaling problem that they're having yeah i guess the question is what happens next because there's always a fear with google that you don't know what their their motivation is for buying it is it an aqua hire so that they can you know, shut it down and roll it into YouTube? Is it that they're going to buy it and just keep it going because it's such a brand name on its own? There, apparently there are a lot of copyright issues, which is one of the things that kept a lot, that a lot of Let's Play video makers are having trouble with, is that they'll post a video and then Google's got the auto copyright takedown thing goes through and knocks it down. So that's why a lot of Let's Play videos, I get... I don't know what the... George, you probably know about the the whole process of getting that resolved better than I do. I just know that something comes through and smacks it down and then you have to try to appeal to them or... Yeah, then they, they it just auto... It's it's just... It runs as a... Like a bot and, and it just auto shuts down things that might... We've had like shows that, you know, our own content and suddenly it gets shut down for whatever reason and then you have to appeal back uh, to YouTube, show proof. It, it becomes a real runaround to try to get your content back up and... Often, especially if you're, you know, playing something that's time sensitive and trying to stream, like, it just seems like it's going to be a real headache. Plus, you know, people love Twitch because they really understand video games. And, Mm -hmm. you know, YouTube has already done a, you know, with content. It's just when you take a, a large company that really is not exclusive and does not understand and then give them all the rights to, you know, your content and how they're going to play it, how are they going to handle it afterwards? Yeah, that was the day one joke that I saw a lot of people making on Twitter was, oh, great, YouTube acquired Twitch. I guess you're going to get all your content taken down because YouTube thinks it's all against copyright. And yeah. I, it's hard to imagine like how they're going to navigate that. And like, right. will publishers agree to have games be showcased in this way? Is it fair use if somebody is telling jokes over it? And is that commentary enough? And how much commentary do you have to have on a video in order for it to count? What if you're a particularly laconic uh, Let's Player, then maybe it doesn't really count. I don't really, I don't know. I, I personally hope that YouTube keeps Twitch separate because whatever legalities they have implemented into YouTube's terms of service, they're pretty obviously not going to apply to Twitch because there must be some difference in the terms of service between those two services because the way that people use Twitch is only it's only for video games and YouTube's like the opposite right. you try to put up a video game and they get mad at you so there's there's some differences i i have a few things to say about that i mean first of all my understanding of if i go off and take like what my legal advice has been is if i take a screenshot I own that like, that's a legal thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I can do what I want with that screenshot. I don't specifically know about video, but that's that's interesting to me that that's a, a copyright violation. But the, the other thing I was going to say is we've had a lot of trouble with people 
going onto YouTube and saying like, download Revolution 60 here, like game of the year. Here it is. Come download it. And like, it's a surprise to us because we haven't made the game yet. And then we're talking to YouTube trying to get it taken down. And like, I particularly appreciate those tools, but when you do it, you have to enter in your name. You have to give them a physical address of who you are. Like there's legality behind Mm -hmm. it. So it's hard for me to imagine it really becoming a problem with, you know, things being taken down. It is down. strange that people have had their YouTube videos taken down for being Let's Plays. And this is something that was controversial a few months ago when several videos were taken down. And then I think some of them were reinstated. But I remember there were some articles about it at the time. And these were all YouTube videos, not not Twitch. And um, I think most of that got resolved. But it's interesting that it happened in the first place. And I think that was enough uh-huh. to make people think that it was a funny joke to tell after Twitch got acquired. Right. But um, huh. I would say that if you're playing a game and you're taping yourself, even if you're not talking, you should be able to put that content up. That's That seems legal to me based on what very little I know, but I'm not a lawyer, so right. can't say for sure. Well, all the more so if this stuff is built into the consoles. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I got my... Oh, God, I can't remember if it was built in, but it was certainly advertised to me. Like, when I got my Xbox, like, do you want to set up a Twitch account Yeah, from right what now? I understand, and it then, is completely built in. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't at launch, I think, but they've added it in later. On the PS4, so, for sure, yeah. Yeah, like, right, it wasn't, it wasn't right. necessarily a launch, a launch feature, but it was something that ended up getting... That should be in there now. That's a good move, I think. Yeah, apparently Microsoft is one of the suitors is one of the things that I read, but Twitch doesn't want to go with them because that would cut off Uh Sony. Yeah. Which, obviously, and there's also... Somebody was building in, like, an API that you could stream to Twitch from within iOS games. Oh, wow. I I have to look that up. I seem to remember that somebody was building that in so you would be able to just press a button and stream to Twitch, and maybe I'm just making that up. Maybe that was a cool (laughs) dream you had, (laughs) because that doesn't sound like something Apple would be that into, but I could be wrong. I think it was something that that game developers could put into the code of the game, Uh, and... And then it's nothing that, that Apple would be supporting natively. I can't imagine. I could. I would fall out of my chair and probably break my <laughs> neck if Apple added Twitch streaming in natively into iOS. Yeah, like that's they, not they can't even get Game Center right. I can't imagine they're going to start adding Twitch streaming. I have to say, all that mirroring takes a, a really big processor hit if you do it too. Like we've experimented with it, and it's it's very expensive. Airplane? Uh, not AirPlay, but anything with mirroring to a device, um, oh. it just kills your frame rate. So. Yeah, I would think on a phone that would be tough. Uh, I don't find it too much when I uh, when I play. Polygon though is, explains the you know YouTube's approach to copyright versus Twitch's like this. Unlike Twitch, mm-hmm. which leaves it up to the copyright holder to inform the company of potential infringement, YouTube's approach is more proactive. Which you can take with a grain of salt. Salt. <laughs> what proactive really means? YouTube's policies deal with two types of copyright claims, those made with automated content ID programs um, that complete legal requests sent to copyright owners. And in both cases, copyright owners are the sole arbitrators of who can reuse their original material. So that's movies, TV shows, and video games, or other copyrighted protected materials. So... They define fair use of these materials to include remixes, criticisms, news reports, and other non-commercial use that does not interfere with the copyright owner's ability to make money off of the copyrighted material. Huh. Huh. Georgia, have you read uh, In the Plex by any chance? I know since you you know write for iMore, you're kind of read books like that. No, probably. I have not. 
it's it's really good and you know it's all about google and how they started up and you know why they're so good at infrastructure but it talks a lot about you know them acquiring youtube and exactly what you're talking about right now like the the legal compromises that they they had to make i mean remember in the first days mm-hmm. of youtube it was people they had the worry like people would upload entire movies right. to it or, you know, porno or, you know, all these different kinds of things. So what you're talking about are really the safeguards that let, you know, YouTube become something that we all use today. So I don't know. I think they're competing interests. By the way, I didn't I didn't dream up that Twitch SDK. Apparently it's it Twitch is something that Twitch released about two months ago and Asphalt 8 is going to be the first game that's going. To, I don't know if it's actually does it right now or if it's Ooh. going to be released and is going to do it. But uh, it's going to be optimized for the 5S, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, yeah. The 5S, I'm unable to break it if I try to, as far as uh, mirroring and things like that. That's cool. If you're out there working on that API, please send me an email. I would really like to look at that. To change gears slightly, I am really Uh curious about how big game publishers are going to react to this acquisition. Because I know that StarCraft has had some issues in terms of being um, on the field of esports, as it were, like their blizzard had some disagreements with key Korean companies back in the day. And that's part of why there are fewer Korean pro players these days and more. Yeah. Because I don't know all the details of this, but I know that a few years ago, some companies didn't want to play ball with blizzard because blizzard kept jacking up the prices to stream these events on TV there. Oh, and, um, I don't know if since that time Blizzard has gotten more open-minded about it, but I would think they would have to because in the past few years, we've seen the rise of esports in places besides Korea. I mean, you all remember a few years ago, we were like, wow, isn't it so bonkers that in other countries people will watch video games? Weird. (laughs) Why would they do that? No, like, don't you all remember that a few years ago we were laughing about that and now we're all doing it? I mean, now we have Dota in a huge stadium, thousands of people watching people play Dota. And... I mean, I watch StarCraft matches now, so I, I don't know. I So I, I sort of yeah. wonder if Blizzard has kind of changed their minds about that specifically and also how other developers, or big publishers, I should say, will finance these tournaments, if at all, and how that money will get moved around. I am curious. According to this article from Polygon, Valve used Winds, which is this service I've never heard of before for the Dota 2 uh, International 3 tournament. As the key sponsor, or just... Well, that's who they used for the streaming instead of oh, Twitch or YouTube or anything else. Saying, or, yeah. the, or this Azubu thing that... I have never the, heard of Riot, this. <laughs> that Riot uses. I've never heard of any of these things either, but I, I mean, I barely, I've barely watched any... I've maybe watched 10 minutes of, of footage on Twitch, and that was just for, like, a Goat Simulator video that one of my friends was doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, which is, I, I can't wait for that thing to come to the Mac because that, that, that game is bananas. But anyway, I don't want to derail us. But So they basically used a brand that none of us have heard of instead of Twitch because it was probably cheaper to, to deal with that. Right, and because they can, oh. right? Because they're Blizzard. Right. And they can use whoever they want and just say, here, use this link and stream it mm-hmm. and you'll like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're That's already big enough true. that, yeah. I mean, with a name like High Winds, I kind of wonder if it's an in-house. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Blizzard, <laughs> get it? Anyway. <laughs> Bree, what were you going to say? It'll probably be caught up in arbitration. 
Yeah, Maddie, you went to journalism school too. I mean, the hardest class I took in jur- in journalism school was, you know, communication law. It's not what Blizzard says. It's like eventually this is going to be arbitrated and, you know, they're going to say like, can you stream this? Is it fair use? I mean, eventually if this, you know, becomes something that's a lot of money is behind, like eventually there's going to be a trial and they'll figure this stuff out. I think there out, is going to be so. a lot of money behind it. That's my prediction. Yeah. I think this yeah. is going to get yeah. way more popular. Well, one $1 billion kind of says that you're right. But so I mean, I think it'll be more money than that because I think people are willing to watch this. And even though we, not all of us watch Twitch, I mean, it sounds like I watch the most of it out of all of the four of us. I watch okay, a lot cool. of st- so, uh, Street yeah, Fighter okay. on there. So yeah. like it's, and a lot of people on the internet are watching this. So yeah. right. um, I think it'll continue to be a big deal and then i think i think that in-person tournament events will start to be a big deal too sort of like we see with sports games mm-hmm. but also with dota tournaments and maybe some starcraft right yeah. well for everyone that's thinking you know there's not like there can't be really a lot uh their inter- twitch's internal analytics says that there's over four of uh, 43 million viewers on twitch every month wow and with that's the average lot. viewer watching an hour and a half a day yeah, I think a lot of people are watching on the sly at work. At least that's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not anybody who works for us. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. It's technically part of my work to watch, so whatever, but... <laughs> oh, I love that. I'm going to work that in. Sure. It's part of my... I'm doing work right now. Right, right. I'm dealing but, um, with video game addictions. I know that... Uh, uh, some friend of mine was saying that his work hadn't wised up to the fact that Twitch was technically a site that they should have blocked, and so he was still able to watch things on Twitch. So, I don't know. <laughs> if you're an employee <laughs> that uh, has Facebook blocked, maybe Twitch isn't blocked. Well, yeah, until it becomes really big, once everyone finds out about exactly. it. Exactly. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a phenomenon that I think only gamers know about. It's not like I can say Twitch to my mom and she'll know what it is, but she knows what Facebook <laughs> is. And I think we'll get there. I think it'll get to the point that assuming that YouTube keeps the Twitch name, which I think they should, because I think that name is already becoming um, part of the way that we speak. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of stuff that should be blocked at work, (laughs) did you guys see the screenshots for Hyrule Warriors this week when it came out? Yeah, so we we got some more information about Hyrule. Let me start with with the good news first before we go to the horrible stuff. So the good news is that there's going to be a two-player mode that's actually going to use the gamepad. Wow. You're going to be able to play with one person on the pro controller and one person on the gamepad. And so you'll be able to use the gamepad as like a second screen, which is actually what the gamepad is is intended for. So imagine that. But that kind of got overwhelmed with some of the screenshots that came out. <laughs> I have to tell you, when those screenshots came out, like, I was, I was at the gym, and I'm like, why are there so many boobs in my feed right now? I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at this screenshot, and this girl at the gym is next to me. She's like, what's, what's, what's going on? I'm like, what's what is she, she like doing? stops running on the treadmill and right, falls into the wall right. comedically yeah and... right <laughs> yeah i wow. when i saw this screenshot in my twitter feed i thought it was a fan art that was very well done yeah i'm not kidding <laughs> i did not think it was real or canonical because naked link is not canonical as we know <laughs> and so i did not think these screenshots were canonical but they are 
So, I mean, yeah, like, maybe we should tell the audience what this is. What is like, it, yeah. Bree? Do you want to tell yeah. me what it yeah. is? <laughs> it's this girl's boobs in your face. I mean, that's, that's it. So, so I think it's the, yeah. the, the villain of the piece, I suppose. I, I don't, there's, you could call them there's that. There's a number of, there's a number. There's a number of screenshots. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna set this up, and then we get the hell out of the way before you guys kill me. <laughs> there's a lot uh-huh. of lovely screenshots of Link, and then you start scrolling down. I will link this in the show notes. There's Impa, who's uh, one of Zelda's guard, who I think is the one who's dressed semi tastefully. Uh huh. And then there's this other girl who is pretty much barely wearing anything on the upper half of her body. She looks a little bit like Midna, actually, to me. No, I don't know who that is. Oh, from Twilight Princess. Oh, okay. With the white hair. I don't know. Maybe. I couldn't play that. The textures drove me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about the textures here, Brie? (laughs) I I thought it was very technically well done. I I really did. I was looking at that. It was like, wow. Like, that was my first thought. I swear to God, when I saw this screenshot. So first I saw the Mm -hmm. boobs. And then I saw the incandescent plug-in that they had for the skin shader that kind of made the skin pop. And I was like, okay, that's good work. And then I saw the reflectivity on the mask. And I was like, okay, that's some good programmable shaders that they're using. How, how did like, the rendering was, on the chest yeah. look to you? It, it looked well very done. good. I was, I was very impressed Okay, well, the reason why she reminds me of Midna is actually not her hair. I forgot Midna has red hair. But Midna in... Spoiler, in the end of Twilight Princess, Midna has a different form that she takes on that's like a super sexy, revealing outfit form. And if you Google image Midna, you can find it very easily, uh, preferably even with safe search on. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so she she has sort of a similar outfit where she's got like midriff bearing and, and so forth. So that's why when I looked at these images, I was like, is this a fan art of Midna? But Midna has red hair. Right. This woman has white hair or like white, white, platinum blonde coloring. So I don't know. But she might still be from Midna's Twilight world. That's my prediction based on boobs. Like this seems to be a thing with <laughs> based Japan, on boobs. Though, right? Like this seems to be like every time we have a big but it's Japanese not normal a thing with Zelda games. No, no. right? No, it's not. Right. But it seems like almost every game now that's coming out of Japan is like going in this direction. Like I, my hope, because I, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to play this game with my daughter anyway. I'm not kidding myself, but because it's gonna it's gonna be bloody anyway, and I'll mm-hmm. probably hold off a couple of years, but. But it's like, I'm hoping that this ends up like Bravely Default. Because Bravely uh-huh. Default, if you, if you ever saw any of the screenshots of like Adia, some of Adia's outfits in the Japanese version, they were pretty revealing too. And then they kind of they toned it down a little bit for the American release. Mm-hmm. But it seems like a lot of the games that are made in this country are kind of going the other way. And it's, like they're all, it's almost like overcompensating from Japan now for some reason. I, I think it's very interesting Nintendo chose to align with Team Ninja. Yeah, Maddie, you and I have had many conversations about other M yeah, at this point. Um, I've actually, over the years, have changed my mind, and I agree with you now. If I were out there and I were like, I want a studio to make some inappropriate sexual content, so no one else out there that would be better <laughs> at that than Team Ninja. Like, they made Dead uh-huh. or Alive. They did Other M. They made Super Sexy Samus. They did Ninja Gaiden, uh-huh. which yeah, I love. But which but has a if, certain aesthetic. Right. Rachel. Rachel <laughs> is, oh, oh my God. There is no character that's more over-sexualized in like a crazy way than Rachel. And handing them a franchise that 
the first thing I think of it is Miyamoto talking about how when he made Zelda, it was all about him wanting to recreate his feeling of being a child and exploring in the backyard when he was five. And to give them this series, it's just, it seems like a really strange fit to me. As as a martial artist, I, I have to just say, like, that's probably like, right, like, she's, she's, the middle part of her chest is quite exposed. It just seems like for, <laughs> if you're fighting other people with swords, you know, maybe you should make sure that the area where, like, though, you know, you don't want to be stabbed through the chest anyways, no. the boobs, yeah. you, that, would yeah, hurt. that would hurt. But your heart is that also there. It might not be the most <laughs> logical of places to be missing your armor, which yeah. she might have right. just lost. Like, it, there might be a part in the game where she's like, oops, I lost my <laughs> you armor. You think this might be battle damage? It might yeah. be battle it's damage. It might be broken. beautifully right. done yeah. battle damage. It might be broken. <laughs> and then she has this mask that reminds me of the plague doctor's mask. It's like the bird mask that they use used to they they used to stick like incense in and uh-huh. other herbs so that they wouldn't get the plague and it kind of looked like a bird so you know she might be you know again lost it from some sort of she might be a plague doctor on the side as well very educated <laughs> and uh ha- it looks kind of like a sleep no more mask she might be a theater nerd right i mean really right. there's so many different ways we can go I, I keep on thinking if she looks down she's gonna stab herself in the chest <laughs> and and leak silicone all over everyone it might be her special oh. attack they are surprisingly perfect boobs i don't i don't think they're real i think the whole thing might be virtual guys I hate to uh, break it to you. Uh, I don't think these are real uh, human beings. I, I was wrong, actually. She has a small necklace that kind of like the emblem goes down, and that would probably protect her heart. I think so. so I, that I might small be necklace wrong. is going to do the job. I tend to be surprisingly forgiving of terrible outfits, in <laughs> which surprises people. Well, you're a which surprises people so, because yeah, I think they expect yeah. me to be a feminazi about everything. But um, right. I tend to care more about like what the women actually do in the game and whether uh-huh. they get to do anything. That That's usually my sticking point for <laughs> this kind of thing. And we don't know the answer to that yet. We don't really know what this game's about. But my personal well, rules for outfits are, is she wearing a bra? Is she wearing <laughs> practical shoes? And is her hair going to get in her face? And this lady is not wearing a bra. I can't tell whether she's wearing practical shoes and her hair is out of her face. So, you know, I've seen worse is what I'm saying. And I've seen worse in Mortal Kombat 9. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there. (laughs) Mortal Kombat 9 is an affront to all three rules in every case. (laughs) If you want to check out a game. I I feel like she's a good design. I feel like she could be a good design. And she seems interesting. And what seems really strange to me I'm watching this trailer here like I see Link come out and he's fighting like tons of enemies and he does this move he's quite he clothed swings the sword yeah he swings the sword all around and like knocks back 10 people and then grabs this other one in the air and slams them to the ground yeah I've seen that same move 150 times when I played Ninja Gaiden so it's like and, and Link has never looked better like it looks like a really cool game I'm just you know, it's it's this one... Zelda has never been really good at portraying women. Like, let's no, be I honest. Know. I mean... I think people yeah, really hate so. to hear that. But, yeah. I mean, with a, a couple of notable exceptions, I would say Sheik is... I mean, I was really into Sheik as a kid, as just in terms of role model things, growing up, playing that, seeing that was important to me. But um, overall, the fact that Zelda doesn't really do that much is kind of sad. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I mean, as a kid, I noticed that and I picked up on it. It's kind of funny because yeah. they have another girl and she's she looks Impa, insane. Yeah. And and <laughs> sorry, my apologies, Impa. Apologies. <laughs> Don't mean to offend another girl. She has just because her outfit is kind of unusual. You mean? It's oh. it, but she's designed beautifully. She's not over chested, and it almost seems like I don't know what to call her, plague mask girl, because I don't want to just call her by her chest, which is offensive. Um, right. You can call her you know, plague mask girl. Plague mask girl. Um, <laughs> and it seems like they were designed by different people for different purposes. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't mind a, a woman being, you know, beautifully dressed. It's just when it's such an extreme thing, it's like that's the only thing you see of them. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. it's just too bad. I think the other uh, impa yeah. is like she just looks insane. Like she looks amazing. She's got the sleek yet the sexy and the strong. You can tell that she has an intensity. I love it. I think that looks great. And the other person's kind of like, ah, she's kind of offensive. You know, I mean, she's finally she's actually going to be playable. So there's actually going to be a female playable character in a Zelda game, which is uh-huh. kind of it's kind of an odd juxtaposition that you have finally have a, a Zelda game where you, I mean. As much as this is a Zelda game, I mean, this is really a Dynasty Warriors game with, with the green outfits. Yeah, I mean, but. can I just add something else quickly? I, I just want to say I think it's kind of sad that the implication here is that we have, like, our heroine in a very conservative outfit and then the villain in a very revealing yeah. one. And yeah. I, think, I think that's not great. I mean, You're I, saying it's kind of like slut-shaming? It, well, it's more it's more like a kind of classic Nintendo thing where like virgin whore, I mean, it's like there's only yeah. two kinds of women and you're one or the other. I mean, that's that's not really good storytelling in my opinion. And like even though I think Impa looks really cool, I'm kind of sad that the villain they chose to just have her be wearing nothing. Like why can't yeah. she be wearing something practical for fighting? It can still be beautiful. Or well, even sexy, but like why, I don't know, it just seems like not a great move, if that is what the story is. Well, wait, Maddie, because after you defeat her, she ends up wearing a panda suit. Oh my <laughs> god. Okay, wait, that would actually be amazing. Wow. That would be amazing. Nintendo has time to save this thing. <laughs> she would be adorable in a panda suit. <laughs> oh. I hope there's an unlockable one. <laughs> Everything comes back to panda sooner or later, I think, is the is the lesson of this episode. <laughs> I'm just going to see if we can put it in every, a panda reference in every single show. <laughs> we have a to do that. A panda in every pot. <laughs> there needs to be a panda in every game. So, I mean, we're, we're just making suggestions. <laughs> and the games industry will follow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always do. Uh, the last thing that we're going to, should probably talk about, and we'll get away from beating up on Nintendo for at least, you know, 15, <laughs> 20 minutes, who knows. <laughs> I feel bad. You know, I feel bad because... Well, this like, podcast was paid for by Sony. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I promise it wasn't. Uh, it's funny because I'm also reading the Console Wars book, which uh, which Brie recommended. Oh, it's so good. And they're really like the whole... Uh, it's, it's basically the way I'm starting to come around to it is that it's basically like the social network for like the 90s video game Console Wars. Huh. You guys, Ooh. Georgia and Maddie, you I have to read it. That. And we need to do a special oh, show yes, on just this book. I don't yes. know how canonical it is. Like, it's not, like, it seems like he's definitely going more for narrative than factual accuracy. But okay. it, it's funny <laughs> because they set it up from the, the from the perspective of Sega most of the book. And so Nintendo is kind of like the... The, the, the villain, the, the yeah. horrible controlling villain not- of the of the story. So, I mean, I, that's kind of in the back of my mind. And, and, you know, I hate to just keep 
piling on them, but, you know, they keep doing... See, to me, Steve, it's like, I don't have any particular allegiance to Nintendo. Yeah. I, I feel like them the same way I do about any hardware company out there. It's like, what's a target market? To me, the fact that we're dissing Nintendo means they have something that's in the yeah. news, and it means that, you know, the other companies really haven't had anything noteworthy of that week, even if it's a controversy. Well, hopefully they'll do so, something you know? good without, like, stepping on a rake in the process and... <laughs> sure. And, fi- sure. and, like, let us actually say something nice about them for, like, more than five minutes. But well, anyway... Well, I do love Nintendo. Like, I love Nintendo, and I, I did actually have a Genesis, but I, I love Nintendo, and some of my favorite games are Nintendo games yeah. s- still, huh. which, you know, you can look down on, but um, no, I, no, don't. So. I don't I think that. that. I think that's true of all of us. I think we've, I think we've even shared some of our Nintendo love on the, on the show. And we, we came down pretty hard on Microsoft last week, if I recall correctly. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to be honest yeah. on either side, you know, I don't think we've come out against Sony yet, but you know, they haven't done anything well, stupid. Sony lately. seems to be doing it right. This generation. <laughs> yeah. So let's beat up on steam for a change. So, <laughs> There's been some kind of consternation of the over the last couple weeks that Steam's been kind of opening up a lot more, and by a lot more, they've launched more games. They've allowed more games to appear in the Steam store in 2014, year to date, than they have in all of 2013. So hmm. there's been a little bit of consternation about what the effect of that's going to be. And there's starting to become some rumblings. Is there an indie game bubble about to burst? Because there seems to be a lot of concern. And there was a great editorial by Jeff Vogel, who's a spiderweb software. They do the, the Avedon games, among some other things. And just kind of talking about how there are more and more games and that's fine for the big AAA game companies because they're going to they're gonna have a big national ad campaign on television and they're going to be fine and the 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 single people who are just making a game in their basement are fine because they're not really you know they're doing in their spare time and any money that they make is going to be okay but kind of the mid-level developers who are in the the 500,000 to 2 million dollar range with all this this huge influx of games into the store all of a sudden it's going to be that much harder, much like it is in iOS, to, to get themselves seen. And then it's going to be a lot harder to recoup that investment. And all of a sudden, you're going to see a lot of the, a lot of the mid-level developers you know, starting, to, uh, starting to go south. So I guess I'll, hmm. I'll open that up and say, is this something really to be concerned about? Or is this just something that is happening and it's, we've seen what's going on in iOS and there will be corrections for it and everything will be okay in the end? Well, I I think like I'm probably the person here with the most frontline experience with this. We've really thought a lot about how we're going to get Rev60 into the Steam store you know, when we finally launch in a few months. And you know, the publisher that we just parted ways with, they just managed to get a license to get on Steam, and it does seem to be easier to do that than it used to be. But I think there's also the fact with green light kind of fading, you know, being taken offline, I think all those games needed to go somewhere. You know, it's like this guy wrote the op-ed, and as I read it, I couldn't help but think, you know, and I agree with this guy. I have the same interests as this guy, but everyone kind of wants to tilt the table for themselves so the system works for them. I think it's, it's good, it's bad. I think Steam needs to be a little bit more judicious about who they allow to sell things in the store. How would they go about that, Brie? Well, with curation. I mean, like, you know, my former publisher, you know, they had to go through an approval process and they had to talk to people over there. I'd 
you can't talk about the ins and outs, but you basically have to work it out with them so you can publish things in the store. I think the real danger for Steam is, generally speaking, when I buy something on the Steam store, I know it's going to run. And I think as they open these floodgates more and more, I can't help but notice I've had more trouble over the last year with installing content that I've purchased than I have previously. And I I worry that that's going to become more and more of a problem for them. That's one of the big problems. I think the big problem is not even the number of games that are in the store, but the number of games that are in our Steam libraries at this point. Right. Like, my backlog is... I, I'm... I'd say I'm embarrassed of it, but I know that it's no bigger than anybody else's. But I know I've got like 150 games in my Steam library, and I would say 125 of them I've played for maybe 10, 15 minutes at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Right. Not 10, 15 minutes at a time, 10, 15 minutes total. No, I know. I think that's pretty and, normal. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. No, I'm not saying yeah, that I'm yeah. like some sort of like a hoarder. And, well, I am, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not like some sort of like, you know, crazy cat lady with my Steam library. I mean, everybody's like that. <laughs> But it's just you. that's a problem. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's me. just you. I don't do that. Everybody else owns five <laughs> games. Yeah, I yeah. know. I'm, I'm the freak. I'm, and I'm they're all it. just all the Half-Life games. That's it. That's all everybody else has. Well, in Portal 2, What's least. wrong with you, Steve? I know. Jeez. But it's like, I'll go into the store and I'll see a game. It used to be that I'd see a game and it's like five bucks or less and I just buy it. And it's like, okay, this looks right. interesting. And now it's like, it's not even the money so much as just like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to play this game. And I might completely forget about this game until like six months later. Why don't I just wait and buy it then? And it might be two fifty or it might be $2. There's no point in me buying it now. And, and I shouldn't have that. It's, it's like my time is also a limited resource. And I know that I just don't have the time to play all the games that I have. So what am I going and doing buying another game that I don't even know if it's any good or not. Mm -hmm. And, just to put another thing in my backlog that I'm not going to be able to get to for six months. That might be more, though, hmm. like for you at, at your period of life and, and having to watch over little ones just because, yeah. you know, time is now precious to you. But when you that's were fair. like, you know, 16, 17, like, you know, you have all the time in the world. And that's why, you know, whenever I play a video game <laughs> and I'm playing like Halo online, I am getting my butt kicked by like, you know, right. trash talking yeah. 15 year olds because they've practiced for eight hours in the day, whereas I have a job. <laughs> that could be. But I think that, I mean, the right. average age of the gamer is like in their 30s, right? Right. So um, yeah. there's that. And also, I think more games come out now than they did when we were kids, that right? I mean, that's yeah. just. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm just imagining that, but no, it's <laughs> and I, I feel the same way just to say, I feel the same way as you do, Steve, just so that, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I, if the controls are, I'm like, you know what? That's too much effort already. I'm yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I think so. the last time I felt like I had infinite time to play games was when I was in college. And since then it's definitely been juggling between work and games and like, which games yeah, are yeah, for yeah. work and which games are just for me. And that, right. that is yeah. a tough line to walk. Yeah, I'd say you don't have to have kids to be an adult with a job and feel like you don't have <laughs> yeah, the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out a on a limb here right. and assume Bree doesn't yeah. have that much free time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bree's, uh, Bree's busy. She's going to kick our butts after playing Peggles, so just wait. Yeah, oh, my yeah, yeah. gosh, yeah. See, I find it interesting. Like, This is the cool thing about isometric. We're coming at it from different viewpoints. And, you know, Steve, your concern here is you know, yours too, Georgia, is for me as the consumer does more choices lead to a better experience for me. My thought is, okay, you have indie games. They want their stuff to be distributed. How do you balance, like, 
allowing more Steam developers to get these licenses to be able to sell their stuff in the store, yet giving you know, people there coming out with their first student mm-hmm. game, you know, like an outlet to actually sell that. And to me, it's a real balancing act. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that have come to the conclusion that iOS is too saturated in a market. Do you guys know Jenna Hofstein here in town by any chance to any I've of you guys? Met her before. Yeah, I think I met her. Yeah, too. I mean, she's awesome. She released a game and you know she's coming to ios but i know for a long time she was thinking about focusing more on pc and steam because it was a less saturated market and now you're kind of seeing that space get eaten up as well so i i just think it's a bunch of competing interests and i wonder how much of this is kind of like a damned if you do damned if you don't situation because there was that not on steam sale like Uh six eight months ago when the race the sun guys were just fed up of not being able to get in the store and just started their own sale with a whole bunch huh. of games that that weren't in, on Steam because they were, there was they were struggling to survive at the time, if memory serves, huh. and so they just got a whole bunch of other people and put their games up on the humble store and put a sale together. Hmm. Huh. So that's kind of the flip side of it is that if you're not on Steam, you don't have a chance either. So it's kind of I don't even know what the solution is because those games are going to get made one way right. or the other, and the the good stuff it seems like the good stuff still kind of rises to the to the top anyway i mean we find out about games like like the banner saga or you know broken age or or whatever happens to be the you know the it game the it indie game and those games do rise to the top it's just that you know the developers have to can't rely on just being in the steam store to be able to to get that kind of promotion they actually have to do some marketing yeah on their own to be able to get that promotion which i mean is that fair i mean i well, I don't okay. know if it is let's, or it isn't. Let's but. think about like how they got into the Steam store before all this, right? I mean, they had enough money to be able to afford to apply for the Steam store in the first place, and the kinds of games that got into the Steam store were games that were already of a certain echelon, et cetera, et cetera. And those are the kinds of games that currently now, as you say, quote, rise to the top. And the reason why they rise to the top now is because they have the money to do the Twitter campaign or the marketing campaign that people hear about them, even though just being on Steam isn't enough for them to be well-known. They have they have to use marketing in other ways to get heard of. And still the right. games that are rising to the top are the games that can afford to do so. Right. I, I'm more concerned about the fact that there are often really unusual, weird mm-hmm. little games. Yeah. And the more unusual, weird little games there are, the harder it is to figure out which of those is the diamond yeah. in the rough. Mm-hmm. And if you've only yeah, got right. like 20 of them and one of them's really great, then you can kind of be like, oh my gosh, have you heard of this? But if you've got 500 of them or you got 5 million of them, then you really, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many. And I just, yeah. I this right. is something that happens, has happened in every other industry. And it was, games were fated to have this problem. And the only reason why they didn't have it earlier is because there weren't as many accessible tools for making games, I don't think. Yeah. And yeah. now we have so many tools for making games that make it possible for me, people to just get Unity and just get Game Maker. I mean, Game Maker has become free now, right? I mean, I have a copy. There was like a brief window of time when it became free. And um, it, it's, uh, or if even if it's not free, it's much less expensive than it used to be. And so everybody can make a game now, which is great because it means that people who we never saw making games in the past are now able to make them, like really poor people, for example. But well, yeah. how those people can't afford the marketing that they need for yeah. their game. And, and maybe they can't, even, I mean, we don't know. We don't know which of those games are good, and we have no way to know. But 
that's that hap- that has happened in music that has happened in film yeah. on YouTube uh-huh. everywhere more people are making stuff and and we have to figure out how to find the good stuff and that's really hard I'm done <laughs> oh yeah I I agree with you Maddie I I feel the same way I I think that I probably get and this is for the app store probably five or ten emails asking me to check out someone's game and and give it a, a review for it and the unfortunate mm-hmm. thing with having so many games coming out at the same time is that it really does flush the system. And if you have the money to market and if you have the people to help distribute and publish and talk about and kind of start a buzz about your game, that's really amazing. But I do wonder about, you know, and Steve, you're saying that like, hopefully like, you know, some of the really good games, they do rise to the top and people will notice them. I wonder though, how many really fabulously, amazingly well game uh, made games that I would absolutely love and enjoy get lost in the mix because it is so flooded a system. And Steam, it said it was like nine to 10 games get launched around in the same day, which is not too bad. But, you know, I get probably five to 10 emails a day asking me to check out their game. And, you know, it, it's it's so much and that's just me and they're just hoping that someone's gonna write an article and get it seen and then start the buzz to that right, and it's right. it's probably really too bad for people that cannot afford to do a really big you know launch that's going to get someone to recognize it and you know write about it or talk to other people about the games i guess i'm thinking back to i mean you're you're Matt, you're probably right about the whole just so much stuff getting made and i bet a lot i mean a lot of the games are just are probably you know, not all, not everything in Steam is a gem. I mean, I think that's that's probably yeah. safe to stay. I mean, well, I remember, but there's probably some bad stuff in there. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, I remember right. not not so much from gaming, but I remember from from a music perspective when I discovered the South by Southwest torrents. Uh huh. Where they take South by Southwest, the music festival, they would take every act that was performing, which is like thousands. Uh, they would post a an mp3 just a sample mp3 of that band on the website and some enterprising person went and downloaded all of them and just threw them all into a BitTorrent feed and made it all available for free and i spent one march going through that just song after song after song and there were there were at least like a thousand or twelve hundred songs that i maybe came back with 50 that i that i was willing to listen to a second time Uh uh-huh so and and i'm i think that steam's probably going to end up just getting that way i'm just there's just so many when it's that easy to make a game not everything's going to be great but steam's kind of getting to the point where they can't keep people out as much without running into this backlash like they have with an on steam sale see this is where like for me as a developer for me as a developer when when i started my studio I, if you go into Xcode and you're, you're using Apple's tools to make a game, they have world-class, excellent, really, really good tools to let you make you know, like sliding tile games or endless runners like Sprite Kit. I mean, they're, they're really good tools to make this kind of, this one kind of experience. But when I started my company, I wanted to make something that, transcended that because i feel like you know georgia you're talking about your inbox has you know five or six invitations to come review your game every Every week i would bet i would bet anything you see a lot of the same games over and over maybe it's a little different artwork or there's a little bit of a twist but it's generally like a you know a product that one or two people put out with a few months and 
I think like the answer isn't to ask the market to like absorb all these smaller level games. I think you have to aim higher and make a more ambitious product. Like Rev 60 is a game that you're going to beat quickly. Like it's going to take about three and a half hours to go through. But every single thing in there is meticulously made. That's not an accident. And I just think like if you're an indie developer and you're really wanting to make something that the market just won't fund, I think you have to aim higher. And I think the impetus is on the developer. I don't think it's on the system. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair. I mean, it's it's just the problem. I guess the, the fear is that you're going to make a game like Rev60 or like mm-hmm. Monument Valley or something of that that nature and it's going to get lost in the shuffle because mm-hmm. there are a thousand flappy bird right. clones yeah. unreal just put out a flappy bird clone today yeah that's <laughs> awesome they made that with blueprints i think i, so, I guess that, i mean yeah. that that at least you can understand the justification because they're trying to show off that you can do 2d games they're, and, they're trying to show yeah. their kismet upgrade right. and how that works but i mean the thing is for a modern developer in 2014 so many of us I don't like the marketing aspect of my job. I don't. I'm I'm much happier sitting there spending a day coding or making art assets. But the reality is, it's part of the skill set you have to develop and like letting people know about your game. Like that's, that's part of what a modern developer has to budget for, has to plan for, has to do to ship a game. It's not extraneous. It's just the reality of it. And I mean, engineering is all about not what you want the world to be. It's about looking at the cold, hard, practical reality of what you have to do to get X, Y, or Z outcome. Marketing is a part of that. And I just, I talk to so many indie developers that kind of look at this aspect of it with disdain, but it kind of doesn't matter. You've got, you know, cowboy up and I go think do ironically, it. <laughs> this is something that both halves of the two genres of developers that you described last week, both the artsy types right. and the money-oriented types and anybody in between, because right. I think there are plenty of people who fall in both camps. All of them right. don't like having to think about talking to journalists, in my experience. Right. They all think that having to do that somehow taints what they do, whether it's if they're money oriented, then they think we should be able to just go on Steam and talk directly with the consumers. We just want to sell to our customers. That's it. We don't want any in-betweens. We don't want to review. We just want to sell. And we want to do whatever it takes to do that. Maddie, that's because you scare them. I'm terrifying, actually. (laughs) And the artsy types will just be like, but journalists don't understand my game. I really just want to make my game for me and so forth. And either way, you're sort of denying the fact that you have to think about what people want and whether your game is actually appealing. And I think it's kind of scary to send your game to somebody who plays games all the time for a living and thinks about them all the time and compares them directly and have that person be like, you're not up to snuff. I mean, that's, that's like some, that's like the step that nobody wants to take, but sure. It's hard being judged. I mean, I'm I'm getting play tester reports all day today. It's sometimes tough to read that feedback, but you know, again, you've had cowboy up and, and well, do but it also, anyway. Also, like you know? getting coverage on yeah. the right websites is going to be part of what sells your game, just as much as having a good mm-hmm. game. I mean, you can't just have right. a good game. Yeah, it's really true. Well, it's great to have a great game, but if nobody knows about it, exactly, then, you know, then it doesn't matter. Right. right. So speaking of speaking of great games, we should uh, we should try to talk <laughs> to wrap up and start talking about what we're playing this week, and then uh, let these let these nice people go. <laughs> <laughs> Bree, you want to start this week with what you're playing this week? 
Oh man, I tried Transistor. I hate. Oh, you're breaking my heart. I I I hate it. I I I really want to hear about this because I saw your tweets and I want to know. It's it's okay. So (laughs) spoil me. Look, this is this is a game I should like, right? Like, there's a cool female league character for it, right? Like, they're pumping it up as like lots of story. It's got like kind of a film noir kind of thing. Um, it's got really good narration. These are the building blocks I am crazy passionate about with games that I like. And I thought this game would be a lock, and it is just esoteric and weird. <laughs> Um, it just, the story makes no sense. <laughs> it makes almost no sense. And the combat, like people are praising the combat. I don't get it. It's like you have endless spawns of enemy on this like plane of 2D artwork. And like you queue it up and you trigger them and you're vulnerable for a few seconds and you repeat it. And like, I'm, this is an opinion. This is my opinion. Like, I'm sure there are people out there that love this game, but I was amazed by how much I hate it. I mean, I paid $20 for this oh. game, and I'm like, it's. I just can't p- play this. It's oh, bad. You're killing me. Because so, I've been looking. This is the reason I want to buy a PlayStation 4 is for this game, because I loved okay. Bastion, like, so much. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you, you, I, I mean, I'm in, I'll probably end up getting it anyway. But well, I mean, you know, it's Memorial yeah. Day weekend. Maybe we'll run into each other. You can see if you like it. You know, I mean, it's 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 a good we, we, it's a good we've yeah. di- we've I mean, disagreed yeah. vehemently on games before. So I'm I'm not gonna let right. I'm, I'm not gonna as much as I respect your opinion. I'm not gonna let you keep sure. me from playing it. But look, you liked Wayward Souls. Well, I mean, there you go. So. And I don't well, know. We, it's we it's don't not need to a... start on Guacamelee again. But, you know, <laughs> right, so. right. Bree and I, Bree and I disagree on games constantly. So I, yeah. her we saying do. this we means do. that I will probably love this game. So <laughs> I actually awesome. like I Daddy's saw her tweets. Now. I actually already bought it. Like I saw her tweets oh, and I was you? like, I should buy this. <laughs> not not to say that Bree and I always disagree on games, but it is kind of hilarious oh. that we agree on so many other things and yet we completely disagree about which games are good. But I, I have to say this. When I met you, what was it, three years ago? You and I had a big disagreement about Metroid. I know Other we did. And, and we also had a big disagreement where I was it. like talking yeah. about how I play Call of Duty all the time. And you were like, who is this right, girl? Right. What is her oh, problem? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, I was thinking today about how much my views have evolved on this, being in the industry. And I came to realize today, like I replayed Other M recently. I completely agree with you on that game now. So... I don't know. Minds can change. So anyway, I tried that. Uh, I played a bunch of Pokemon X. That's really been it. It's been a busy week. All right, Georgia, what, what have you been playing this week? I, I haven't played a video game all this week. <gasps> I know. I know. I, I will say five generations thing. of shame. <laughs> I will say I did play Candy Cross just because that's like my mindless. Oh. I know. I know. Hate me. Oh. I know. I hate myself. Um, can somebody cue up the coin sound? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The sound of coins there. falling out the, of George's wait, wallet. Wait, I'm getting, I'm getting. I hope you don't give those candy crushers a dime. Never. You, they don't deserve I never it. Do. They don't get, they don't get a thing. Good. Good on you. Go. <laughs> I also know that the game changes as soon as you pay them. So that's part of why I would say don't. You have people sending you five codes a day for free games and you're playing Candy Crush. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't actually. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. 
Right. I would say I would. I no. I actually it was feel for work. I write a lot of articles on Candy Crush. All right. All right. This that's that's a total. I do. I, I do. I, feel I have you all the on not having time for stuff besides <laughs> iPhone games. Not that that's true for me this week, yeah. but there have been times when that has been true. And um, <laughs> I would just say like. I get a lot of emails about iPhone games. So just keep an eye out for those because some of them are free and checking out free iPhone games can be kind of fun. Some of them are even better than Candy Crush, I promise. <laughs> what? <laughs> Impossible, I know. <laughs> yeah, everyone send me the game that I should be playing. But uh, no, I've had a really, it's just been a really rough week in my my other job. So I've been spending all my off hours trying to make sure that everyone's okay at the same time. What, do you have a client that's really having a lot of problems? Most of it's just paperwork. Most of it's just paperwork, but it's just my week that I have to do a lot, and I hate paperwork, so I, uh, yeah, hem and haw, but I got just a lot of stuff to get done at once, so, yeah. Judgment. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I was actually, uh, let me... <laughs> This is funny, but I was actually thinking I should just fake a game. I'm like storming through games. Like maybe I'll just lie and say I've been playing like Star Fox or something or Halo. Like I'm like find right, a trendy right. game that I could lie about so that no. they t- <laughs> this is so depressing me. Do you really think two that games next week, Georgia? Then I'm like, no, don't ask me next. And Steve's like, Georgia, what about to you? Imagine the eye of Sauron a floating <laughs> above my house, just pointed at you, judging. Right you are not a true judgment. game. Gamer, <laughs> I will be the first one voted off. <laughs> oh. Okay, so the game that I say is going to be really hilarious in light of all of this. Just FYI. So ask me, Steve. Ask me what I've been playing. What, what yeah, have, ask Maddie, her. Maddie, what have you been playing this week? Um, okay, so I went, I went to a party recently, guys. I go to parties. Anyway, <laughs> and at this party... I played with several people Super Super Puzzle Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. <gasps> I love that game. This game. I love that game. Yeah. I, I, I went to this party game. a little while ago, but I forgot to tell you guys last time we recorded, and I just really want to tell you. Um, uh, this uh, game holds up. It's so great, and it's such it a great party game. game. It and is it is, for people who don't awesome. know what it is, it's basically Street Fighter crossed with Dr. Mario is how I would describe it. I, I don't know if that's a fair assessment, but um, you it's two player. You play as like, you know, Chun-Li or Ken or what have you. But but you aren't really directly fighting each other. You're stacking blocks on either side of the screen and you can send blocks to the other side if you clear a row, sort of like Tetris and uh, and so forth. And so this is a great party game. People can be as competitive or uncompetitive as they want to be. And what we had fun doing while we were playing it was pretending that we were um, commentating on like an esports match as people oh played. My God. So like we had five people at the party, and then two people would be playing, and the other three people would pretend to be commentators, and we would say like so and so is returning to the ring after 15 years away from the oh, game, and and we we like invented these elaborate backstories about each other. It was an extreme fun party and I highly recommend this activity to all of our listeners because have, have you ever played have you ever played um, Tetris Battle Gaiden I haven't but it sounds great already it is it is <laughs> I just like yeah, that except yeah. you cast spells you whenever you get like a Tetris or like you know like yeah. two lines you get like 
points for spells that you can cast oh, to on the, the other, other person. person. Yeah, this is kind you of would, like that too. And you would love it if you like if you like Super Puzzle Fighter. You would love this game as well. It's hilariously fun. I would say yeah. that like there are several games in this genre, and I th- these are not a genre that I played that much as a kid. I mean, I I played a lot of fighting games because apparently I liked parties where people just got really angry at each other and everybody went home angry. <laughs> um, that happened to me a lot. <laughs> but this game was not like that. This is a good party game, even though it's competitive because the stakes are. I mean, the the game can kind of turn on ahead at any time, which I think y'all would know if, if you've ever played it. it. You can really turn it around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's oh, there's yeah. sort of luck based elements and also skill based elements. And um, just to compare it with games like Mario Kart, I I'm like surprisingly bad at Mario Kart, I, if it's even possible to be. <laughs> so so as far as as party games go, this is preferable to me in the sense that like Mario Kart, it has elements of luck and elements of skill. But I think they blend a little bit better in this game. Maddie, I have a I have a go question for it. Point. Did you? Did win? I win? Um, <laughs> Did you win? Lie. I think I won at least once, but I I was not as good as some of the other people there. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> If we had been right, playing right. actual Street Fighter, I think I would have done a lot better. <laughs> but, Who do you um, play as? Yeah. I, I played as Chun-Li, but I have a soft spot for her in general. So I played as her in the puzzle version and in the real version. Yeah, my favorite puzzle fighter moment. We had a, the, when I was in high school, the, the pool hall that we used to hang out at had a, a puzzle fighter arcade machine. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, see, that's awesome. We would go there more for that than for the playing pool. And yeah. there was one friend who we went, I went with pretty much constantly, and there was one match where we were playing, and he had completely kicked my ass. <laughs> and we got to the very end, and I, I just took my hand off the controller and gave up, and somehow, without even doing anything, managed to blow up my entire, my entire side of the board and beat him after having taken my hand off the controller. Steve, ha! you use the power of your mind. I know. I'm like Preskin. <laughs> See, the cool thing about the game, though, is that I don't even remember how many matches I won or lost because, like, yeah. the matches go by so quickly and we just kept switching the controls around so often that it really didn't matter. It wasn't like a situation where people got frustrated with each other and everybody was keeping score. There was no pressure for that. So I think this is a really good game for, like, younger kids even or, like, older yeah. kids, like my age kids, who might fight with each other if there were a real fighting game. <laughs> oh, the best part is even if you're getting if you're getting destroyed like that's when they do the super move exactly they they send down hilarious yeah (laughs) they give you more gems and stuff yeah it's a fun it's a fun party game so steve i have one more game i have to say like you were telling me today that street fighter alpha 2 came out on the wii u and like a sucker i bought that and i was like Oh yeah, I found this version unplayable because it's so slow and there's so much like lag on it. So as long as we're talking Street Fighter, do not buy that game. Man. I don't know why it's they very would port bad. that. Like there are so many games that they could port to the Virtual Console. Like why would you port a bad port of Street Fighter Alpha Two? Every time it goes like fight, there's like t- it's like literally three or four seconds before like while the game's loading content, Weird. and then if we like die and then it starts the next battle, it's like. That same load, it's unplayable. It's so bad. So you have to say nothing of like holding this giant iPad taped to a controller and trying to like do special moves on it. Hmm. So yeah. I'm sorry. I've no good. <laughs> I I'm glad to know this. 
Yes. I'll keep that in mind anytime that I recommend a game to you ever. <laughs> don't recommend any games to Brie because she yeah, hates Brie, games. I don't ever she remembers. Go download it. She's remembered. Right? Yeah. Where are you playing this All right, week, So Steve? I had kind of a rough week, too. So Aww. I... I've only been playing iPhone games this week also, but actually... We should probably I, note that this I, is an unusual situation where we didn't yes. have the weekend in between the last right, time we recorded exactly. the show. That is right, a good point, right, which right, is right. usually when I get my gaming done too. So I... And in my defense, fair. I was... My wife had a work call last night, and so I booted up the PlayStation while she was on the phone, and I was going to go play Zone of the Enders, which I got from the, the Japan sale on the PlayStation Network, and I'm, I have like maybe a half hour to play, and I load it up, and despite the fact that I downloaded it from the PSN, there's like a 500 meg update to download so that kind of <laughs> wow. and it's like why are you why are you why are you this is like 2014 just patch the game and give me the patch version so i can play it right just give me the so, pieces you need to fix so that kind of killed my uh killed my momentum Aww. last night but so i've been playing this game called block legend block which legend? is it's kind of it's kind of silly but it's it, it's fun just to pass the time you know 15 minutes here or there so georgia you might actually this might be a better Something to replace Candy Crush for you. Okay, I'm, I'm typing in. can replace Candy Crush in George's well, heart. I know, I know. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Puzzle Quest in a way. Except I it's Puzzle, Puzzle Quest. Quest mixed with like Collapse. Mm. So it's like a J. It's like a like an old like 16-bit JRPG or maybe probably 8-bit JRPG style graphics. And there's, uh, you know, you have these little guys that are running through town. And when you're in town, you're you're trying to line up. You have different color blocks that are for attacks with attacks with physical attacks or magic attacks or uh, treasure or gold or life or shield. So you're trying to line up as many of them as you can hmm. and tap them away, and then you'll do damage to the monster with with the the attacks. And you can build up shields to block yourself from their attacks. They attack after X number of turns that you take. So they'll do damage to you, and then you can heal yourself, and you can get shields to kind of block some of their attacks. And then in between these battles, you're kind of walking. It's, so it's like random encounters. So you're walking through the town, and while you're walking through the town, you can all the attacks turn to healing and experience. So you're trying to like pick up gold and experience while you're walking around. It's not, it's not a complicated game, but it's fun. It's $2 with no in-app purchases, which is unusual for a game like this. I mean, it, it kind of gates... It, it puts you on quests in order to earn what they call star blocks to unlock like characters and unlock different areas to go to, but they never ask you for any more money. So it's just a fun, silly little game that's kind of passing the time in between, you know, when I'm standing in line for 10 minutes. Steve, you had me at Puzzle Legend. You had me at They Don't oh. Ask You to Spend Any More Money. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Like, I, I keep trying some, like, I tried Toy Rush for like 10 minutes. This is the new one that, that Uber put out. And as soon as it sent me a push notification asking me to go back into the game, I just deleted it. <laughs> it's like, go away. I, 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 you, you asked me for push notifications. I said, no, you sent me one anyway. Go away. I don't want to deal with you anymore. That's fair. Like, I, don't, I don't have the patience for that kind of crap. So, <laughs> <laughs> But Block Legend is fun, and it's two bucks. It's just like one guy. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to be... It's not a hard game. It's just... it's a fun little little time waster. And, you know, you need those, too. It's kind of a palate cleanser. Right, right. <laughs> I am pro-time waster games. I mean, I admit, I played more Kirby and the Amazing Mirror this week. I have nothing further to add. Kirby is still adorable. Play that game. It's adorable. 
There are endless mirrors. <laughs> and it's endless gotta be curvies. better than some of the uh than some of the this like we got the we got the, the collection that came out with for the for the Wii mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago. And my daughter kept insisting that we play the Kirby sixty four, and that is not a fun game, like at all. Oh. <laughs> it's just like I haven't played boring. that one. I also have not still have not played the new Kirby. But I don't know. Oh, tri- triple triple deluxe. I triple I think deluxe, I said yeah. last week that I played Kirby and the Amazing Mirror on my 3DS instead of triple deluxe. That's still the case. I still <laughs> feel that there's no real reason for me to buy triple deluxe. I haven't really heard that it's any better or worse than any other Kirby game. So I don't know if y- y'all have heard different, but I'll probably end up owning it at some point. But I haven't. Uh, it, it hasn't been. I'm not insisted to me that it be purchased. Yeah, by yeah. I mean, it's kind of sad because I I love Kirby as as an idea and just everything about him. I'm I'm happy to play a I, game. I've never been able to get into He's his so games. Cute. I've, it's I've probably tried. because He's adorable. It's probably because Kirby's Dreamland came out when I was a kid and I was really attached to my right, Game Boy right. and I was the right age for it. Oh, um, right, I'm, right. Uh, I'm the baby on this podcast in case <laughs> our listeners couldn't tell. Um, I'm the baby. So I, I loved that game as a, as a wee bear. So, so Kirby is meaningful to me. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, legit, but legit. only because he taps into some nostalgic aspect of my childhood that makes me go, Oh, <laughs> So, so I'll happily play a Kirby. I'm sorry. I tried to imagine like a, a an eight year old Manny Playing Myers, just like so not jaded by the. Can you world. imagine? Like, she's so hopeful, and her eyes are all twinkly, and she just loves Kirby, and she has like a big heart. Like playing playing Kirby's Dreamland yeah. while watching yeah. The Little Mermaid on VHS. Right. Oh my god! You just yeah. described yeah. me perfectly. I loved The Little Mermaid. <laughs> That was my favorite one. How did you know, Steve? I have to tell you, I went to Disney. I went to Disney last year, and we went to the live Little Mermaid show, and I found myself, like, oh my god, watching Please. it because I hadn't seen it in so It's really long. good. It's just, like, these emotions, like, just came flowing out from it, so. I, I cried during the movie, yeah, so that's Mermaid okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. <laughs> All I'm right, not well, I think on that note... <laughs> Steve, I'm didn't that, you? Aren't you excited to go to Disney World and cry at the Little Mermaid show? He did cry. Yeah, That's he, why he's trying cry? to end the show before yeah. we all ask him. Steve's crying right I'm now. Crying for very different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> because my daughters are keeping me there hostage. Usually. Oh but. come on! It's gonna oh. be fun. <laughs> Somewhere there's a robot heart that just you know, <laughs> a lump of coal. To, yeah, yeah, a lump of yeah. coal. My, my heart so. will grow three sizes by the end of this podcast. Right. <laughs> Steve, before we end this podcast, I have some vital information okay, for you. Okay, go ahead. I have beaten enough gym leaders in Pokemon X. That if you were to give me a Pokemon that were like up to level eighty, I would be able to use them. So <laughs> hint, oh. hint, if you wanted hint. to wow. see a Pokemon hint. for Christmas, that, that was super subtle. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Wow. We'll figure All something out. All right, well, out. I guess let's, let's, let's wrap the show up so that... <laughs> I like how the show gets wrapped up, like, so that you two can have a drug deal every week. Like, Breeze or Pokemon Fix. Yeah. We gotta wrap it up. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so you can go visit the show notes at isometricshow.com. You can send us feedback via email to feedback at isometricshow.com. Uh, you can follow us at isometricshow. And uh, you can follow me at Wicked Good. Brie, where, where can people go to find you? 
if you have Pokemon DD2, <laughs> find We're starting a Pokemon charity for You free. need to find me on Twitter at SpaceCatGal, and I will give you my friend code, and we will meet in an alley. <laughs> oh, my happen. gosh. <laughs> Squirtles wanted. <laughs> All right, Maddie, where can people find you? I'm Samus Clone on Twitter. And Georgia? <laughs> on Twitter, I'm Georgia underscore Dow, and, of course, I'm more.com. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you thank you so much for uh, for listening and we will catch you next week have a good one and no pokemons were hurt in this podcast <laughs> <laughs>